I probably will make reference to that last hymn as we go through this morning's study. Uh, Heaven came down and filled my soul. As we have embarked on this, uh, what I call primary source study, um, I would say this, that uh, you've heard me say perhaps over the years, at least in my memory, I think I've said it, um, you're never wrong when you do the right thing. And I think that um, by looking at and trying to understand and follow the example of Jesus Christ, both in his teaching and then also in his, uh, uh, in his illustration by, by how he lived and how he treated people, if we aspire to that, we're never going to be wrong. We will not be wrong. And so this morning, um, I'm going to deal with a victory. One of the victories in Jesus is that he uh, teaches us and he taught that there are certain things that we do in our lives that are actually pretty laborious. And one of them is when we are constantly judging other people. And so this morning, uh, this is a, it may seem like a small victory in Jesus, but yet it is a very significant one that we can learn as he taught and as he exemplified that there's just certain things that we're not supposed to do in the Christian life, in our Christian life, and, and judging other people is one of them. Now, the reason that that is, I think, significant is think about it. Um, I, I, I have, I've had this saying for probably most of my life, uh, if, you know, at least variations of it. Um, if the world would do like I thought they should, it'd be a better place. Now, I'm making a judgment on everyone. But then I've learned over the years, I had to come up with a different phrase, the world doesn't operate like I think. And so, but think about it. When we are constantly um, assessing, being, you know, judging someone, uh, and in essence, we are being critical of, uh, in some way, shape, or form, of what they're doing compared to what we're doing, we're actually setting a standard that we become the standard. We are that standard. Uh, they don't do like I do and things like that. And it becomes a very... Um, like, as I said, a very laborious way to live. Uh, the number one accusation against Christianity uh, is that Christians are judgmental. Uh, right? we, 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 you know, that, that pro- our text this morning is probably one of the most quoted uh, verses by non-believers. If you are saying something or if you're talking about, uh, you know, how you, what you should or should not do and talking to someone, uh, immediately it, it comes out, you know, you're, you're judging me. You know, you're not supposed to judge. And so this morning I wanted to look at exactly what Jesus Christ had to say about it because here's the, here's the, re, the, the reality. We all make judgments in our life. But there's a difference between making judgments about our life and being judgmental on other people's lives. There's a a big difference. And so this morning, um, I'd like to look at this. I I think that uh, 
you know, you can look around, and especially in our, in our culture and world today, it has become uh, more uh, easier to be judgmental on anyone and everyone, uh, and it ultimately has led to what we know, now know is uh, called the cancel culture. And that's essentially the end result of being judgmental on someone, what they do or don't do. And it has, it has resulted in uh, this new phenomena in our culture that we cancel. We, you know, we cancel someone because of what they believe. I think that the problem we are encountering in our culture is that so often uh, there is a judgment, uh, you know, a, a, we are judgmental on people or things with inaccurate information. And the reason that for that is because there's so much information at your fingertips that we assume that because it's there, it's true. And the, the problem is, is that with everything that's out there, there's no necessity that whatever you read or you hear is actually true. In fact, uh, it could be false. And so think about it. If we, make, if we become judgmental based on false information, why, we're just a sorry judge. You know, they, they, they'll be getting rid of us. So, so in this, I think Jesus has uh, some very, very clear teachings about being judgmental. Uh, one of the uh, spinoffs on that is, is that he pointed out that being judgmental actually magnifies one's own hypocrisy, which we'll see in just a little bit. Um, so this morning, Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 7 I mean, I'm sorry, yeah, Matthew 7, verse 1 and 2, this is the part where Jesus begins to talk about our relationships with other people. Here's what he said, judge not that you be not judged, for with what judgment you judge, you will be judged, and with, what, and with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. We're at a climate right now that that's what we, at least in, um, you know, our, our nation, we're, we're clamoring, we're wanting some sort of justness that applies to everyone equally. And it's sometimes difficult because when someone places themselves in this, in other words, if they're judgmental, they have placed themselves in the elevated seat of being a judge. And if they are a judge, they are supposed to be uh, non-biased. They're su not supposed to have any kind of other agenda, but yet as humans, we can't rise above that, which uh, that means that um, none of us are actually able to, to do well on judging other people about what they do. Now, that's not to say that, I, that we excuse or that we wink. It's just that that's not our place to judge someone, and I'll explain why here in, in just a moment. Jesus had several things to say. Luke records him saying this, judge not and you will not be judged. And then he says, condemn not and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give 
and it will be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your, your heart, for with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. So here we're starting to get the idea that whatever judgment or whatever uh, you know, judgment takes place has to be equitable. It has to be something that is equal. In other words, uh, we don't have that ability or right or license to make a judgment against someone when we ourselves are perhaps guilty of perhaps the same thing. Um, Jesus went ahead to say, he says, why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not, do not see the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to one, well, let me remove the speck that's in your eye when you yourself do not see the splinter or plank that's in your own eye? And then he says, hypocrite. See, that's where being judgmental opens the door for hypocrisy because we are very good and very quick to find the fault of others without looking at the fault of ourselves first. And I, and I think that's more of a human nature. That's why we have a very interesting phrase, uh, you throw someone under the bus. You know, you throw them under the bus. Well, the reason is, I don't want to get thrown under the bus, so I'll throw someone else under the bus. And so, but yet what that is, is that is hypocrisy. And, and it's, it all stems from this idea that we are in a place that we can rightly and justly be judgmental on someone or something, and we're always right. But the fact is, is that's not the case. What Jesus does say, first remove the plank or the splinter from your own eye, and then you can see clearly to remove the speck that is in your brother's eye. If we let judgment or being judgmental begin with us, then we're going to be able to see much more clearly that we really don't have room or have the right to be judgmental on other, thing, other people. Because if we look at ourselves, it's like the writer said, you know, if we say we have no sin, we lie and the truth is not in us. We deceive only ourselves. But if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us. The point being is that we can never really truly be objective in our assessment of the world or people until we are first subjective with our own self. John Locke wrote something. He was an English writer, and in fact, he was uh, uh, Thomas Jefferson's favorite, favorite philosopher. But he, he wrote something when he was writing his treatise, and it, and it caught me years ago. He says, you know, I'm going to try to discover truth. I'm going to try to read and see what it is. But then he said, but it has to begin at my fireplace, per se. And, and he pointed out, he said, and that is not very enjoyable to let it begin in my own heart. So this morning, I would like to look at the, the value of not being judgmental, while at the same time not excluding that we do have to make judgments about certain things, but the judgments we make have to do with our own life. For instance... We make a judgment that we tell our children, don't, don't get in a car with strangers. Well, that's for our own life and how we live. And we try to guard our children. That, that's a judgment we make. 
another judgment is don't use, um, don't, don't be poking a, a paper clip or a screwdriver in an electric socket until you turn everything off. That's a judgment that we discover, unfortunately, uh, by doing it. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> you know, so, but that's, that has to do with us. That's not being judgmental. Judgmental is one step beyond. It's beyond me. It's, I'm looking at other people. And Jesus was very clear about that. I'm going to use two examples to show um, how Jesus not only taught that, but how that, how that he exemplified that in his daily dealings with people. I, I think that also in understanding, uh, in understanding this is that in the culture that we are in and in the landscape where we are, we cannot afford as God's people to let culture or, or our society shape how we think as God's people. It should be just the opposite. And unfortunately, we're in this day and time where everyone feels like they have the right and license, and if they, have, if they can get the power, they'll do it, to inflict their opinion upon everyone else. And I use that word uh, distinctly. You inflict people with your judgment or with your being judgmental with them. So here's, here's the first example. Jesus, John chapter 8. Um, the Pharisees brought a woman to Jesus and they said, we have caught her in adultery in the very act. And they said to him, well, teacher, this woman was caught now Moses in the law commanded that such should be stoned. But what do you say? Uh, they said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus then stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. Now I think that's significant. Uh, for one thing, the law that they quoted, they left out part of it. Yes, the law says stoning, but it takes two to tango. Where's the man? The man was not in this. It was just the woman. So here already we have a, a kind of a revelation that, that these that were being judgmental on this woman uh, at that point, they already had perhaps a bias. Uh, they were leaving out significant information. They wanted to condemn her without necessarily condemning the man. And that, was, that is an unjust. That's what makes them not a good judge because they, are, they were either biased or they were negligent or they, you know, we can go through a list of things. Uh, but, but what we do find, though, is that Jesus did not bend to that at all. In fact, it's very interesting. He began, he stooped down and began to write on the ground in the dust as though he did not hear. Now, that phrase, as though he did not hear, is probably a moniker for us. We have to be very, very careful as God's people, as I've said, about letting culture or letting, in this case, I'm going to be very, very open, letting a cancel culture affect how God's people are to act. Here's the deal. We are in the redemption business, not the cancel business. Uh, 
And God's people have to always be willing to do exactly what we find Jesus Christ is doing here. When they continued asking him, he raised himself up and he said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And then he stooped down and wrote on the ground again. Now, now those who heard it began, excuse me, <coughs> began to be convicted uh, by their own conscience, by their own thoughts, and went out one by one, beginning with the oldest even to the last, until finally Jesus was left alone with the woman standing there. Jesus raised himself up, and he saw no one. But the woman, and he said to her, woman, where, where are your accusers now? Is there anyone here who will condemn you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. That day, heaven came down and glory filled her soul. You know what uh, uh, part of tradition says? Part of the tradition, whether it's true or not, I don't know, but it's been around a long time is that this woman was, uh, they said, was Mary Magdalene. Now, that could be true. Maybe it's not true. But it's easy to imagine that what we do know of Mary Magdalene was that she was filled with evil spirits and things, but something happened to her one day when she met Jesus, and her life changed. And it changed not because everyone was judgmental to her. It changed because Jesus Christ was able to change her life without being judgmental. Uh, you know, Jesus would certainly say, if you continue in your sins, you will die in your sins. But that's a fact of the matter. That's just the brute state of affairs. You know, if you continue driving your car uh, and not fill it up with gas, a fact of the matter is you're going to run out of gas. Now, I'm not being judgmental. I'm just saying a fact of the matter. And Jesus would always be willing to give that fact of the matter, but he was in the saving business, not the condemning business. And sometimes the Christian society fails to recognize that. It's like Jesus said later in this passage, after the lady had left, he said, you know, to the Pharisees, you judge after the flesh or after humanity. That's how you judge. And he says, I judge no man. That's interesting because we tend to think that, you know, Jesus Christ came to judge us. No, he didn't come to judge us. He came to save us. There will be a judgment eventually, but it's not going to be us that's sitting on the judge's bench. It will be God. And until that time, Jesus Christ has come in order to save us from our sins instead of condemn us in our sins. You know, John three sixteen and 17, we, you know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him, they shouldn't perish. They, there's no reason to perish, but have everlasting life. And then it says, God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So here we find not only in the teachings and the declarations about Jesus Christ, he was not judgmental at all. He was simply trying to help people. Jesus also said, Luke records, the Son of Man, I did not come to destroy men's lives, but I came to save them. Now let me, let me feather down into the culture 
we're in right now. Cancel culture, uh, judgmental culture. The end result that we've been able to observe even over the last four or five years is that our culture and society has become so, um, I guess, hardened about judging everyone that it's actually destroying lives. People lose their jobs. They get fired. They can't get work. You know, they're not able to pay the bills. That's destruction. And I can tell you this, all of us know this, Jesus Christ did not come to destroy our lives like that. No, leave that to humanity. Humanity does a really good job at saying they're doing something good while at the same time it's just bad all the way through. And so here we have for God's people that we are not to judge not because we have to understand whatever we and however we judge, that same standard is going to be thrown right back on us. And so we have to be very, very careful. You know, if we do make a judgment about something, let's say with our children or thing, you know, I, I, I can't make other people do what I do, but that's not my responsibility. What I can do, though, is I can make a judgment about what I have control over. And that's what the diff- one of the differences between making a judgment about something and then being judgmental. The second instance that I want to use that illustrates Jesus Christ, that he was not judgmental, was in, is in the book of Luke 19. A familiar story, Zacchaeus. Now Zacchaeus, what we know about Zacchaeus was there had been a lot of judgment uh, placed on him. Very judgmental view. In fact, the scriptures uh, say, Behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, chief among the publicans. He was rich. He sought to see Jesus who he was and could not for the press. He was of little stature. He ran before, climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. Now, when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and he said unto him. Now, let me insert something here. Did Jesus say to him, you sorry sinner? No. Did Jesus say, I've heard of you. You steal from people. No, he didn't say that. It would have been a fact of the matter, but he didn't say it. Did he say to him, I don't have time to speak to you because you're not like me? No, he didn't say that. What he said to him was, Zacchaeus, make haste. Come down, for today I must abide at thy house. He's not judgmental. He came not to condemn. He came to save people from themselves. You know, no one, Zacchaeus couldn't blame anyone except himself. If he was greedy, that's his fault. If he was stealing from people, no one made him do it. It was him. Jesus comes to save us from ourselves, not to condemn. He made haste, scurried down, came down, received Jesus joyfully. Now here's where the judgmental comes. And when those that crowd saw it, they all murmured, saying that he was gone to be a guest with a man that is a sinner. The judgmental climate has always been around. It's nothing new. But what is new is that we have to be aware that it can affect God's people. If we live in something long enough, a surrounding 
a surrounding culture or a climate, we have to be very, very careful not to let it infect us. Case in point would be Lot and Lot's daughters, how it, it, it infected them and how they thought. Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. He knew if he had taken things. I mean, what kind of accountant would he have been? Certainly wouldn't have worked for the Roman Empire, wouldn't have been collecting taxes if he did not know where every denarius or every dollar came from. He knew exactly. But he didn't need anyone to be judgmental on him. He knew. And after speaking with Jesus, it became very clear what he wanted to do. He wanted to do things differently. Why? Because Jesus did not condemn him. Jesus did not make some sort of judgmental accusation against him like the people did. He simply came to save him from himself. And he did. Zacchaeus changed. Jesus said to him, today, this day is salvation has come to your house. Again, that day, heaven came down and glory filled his soul. Now, that's the difference between being judgmental and being a savior. Jesus Christ is not judgmental. In fact, our own words will condemn us. I mean, that's what, what the scriptures say. By our own words, by our own actions, that's what condemns us. Our decisions is what condemns us. The lives that we choose, the things that we do, that's what speaks against us. In fact, that's what we're told, that on, when we do stand before the great almighty judge, what will be, it won't be an accusation. It's not, not at all. There's not going to be a storyline. It's just that all of our acts, our own acts, our own words, will be brought before us, and that will be how we are judged. So it's our actions, it's our lives that actually are judge, judging or judgmental with us. The Son of Man, uh, as Jesus says, came to save and to seek that which was lost. And then he gives an example. Jesus gives an example. How, how many of you, if you have a hundred sheep and one of them go astray, he leaves the ninety and nine and he goes into the mountains and he seeks that which has gone astray. If he finds it, he's joyous. He puts it on his shoulders and he comes back and rejoices. In the culture that we live in, it's very easily, uh, at least for me to imagine, that when, when that sheep goes astray in the kind of culture we're in, we would say things like, well, they deserve it. I'm not going to mess with them, you know, to each their own. We find that same attitude that Jesus gives and illustrates with the parable of the Good Samaritan. Twice, the man who fell among thieves, he needed help. Uh, on each occasion, the first two, they made some sort of perhaps internal judgment about him and, and wouldn't help him. But it was the Good Samaritan who stopped and helped him. You know, he wanted to, wanted to help him. So in, in our lives here, we cannot afford to let 
where we are and what we hear and what we read change how we're supposed to live. And Jesus gives us this uh, example and illustration. You know, I think that uh, <clears throat> I think that as we try to navigate through life, there are so many things that can be confusing. But that's why I like going back to what the scriptures say. The Apostle Paul understood this very clearly about this. And he, here, and as I come to a conclusion, let me let me use the Apostle Paul as an example, and then James as what they had to say about being judgmental. Paul said, he said, "Who are you to judge?" For in whatever you judge another, you condemn yourself, because you practice the same thing. So here we find Paul was very acutely aware of why we cannot, get, we cannot embark on that journey of always being critical or, or, or being judgmental of people. God knows everything, and it's not our place to do that. We can judge and make a judgment about our own life, but not others. He, Paul continues to write, he says, Who are you to judge another man's servant? To his own master he stands or falls. Indeed, he will be made to stand, for God is able to make him stand. So often we, uh, at least in the culture we're in, we are judgmental about things that we just simply cannot control. We don't have a rule. It's kind of like Paul points out. Who are you to be judging a man about how he treats his servant? He said, you know, that's not, first of all, he's not your servant. And secondly, you're not that man. And he points out something very, very important. We are busy enough and can be busy enough if we just simply try to live our own lives according to what God has said. And not be trying to always find fault with others who don't seem to be living for God. Where again, I emphasize, we are in the redemption business, not the canceling business. So anyone and everyone is welcome, no matter what. Paul continues to write, and he says, uh, everyone, everyone will ultimately give an account of himself to God. Therefore, we should not be always trying to judge each other anymore, because what we should be doing instead, and this is again a good point, we should be judging ourselves, being judgmental about ourselves, and not be a stumbling block to those that are around us. So again, it's emphasized that the only valid judgmental effort we can make is to ourselves, not other people. You say, well, if that happens, the world's going to go to hell in a bean pot. It has already. No matter how many laws we pass, no matter what we say, no matter what election, it doesn't matter. There'll always be evil. There'll always be poverty, Jesus said. There's always that. So the best thing we can do is to do what we have control over, which is our own lives. Be, begin being judgmental with yourself first. Then we're able to see, as Jesus said, much more clearly. Paul wrote to Timothy, um, a young pastor, and he said, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance, that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. He had already done that internal investigation and realized that no matter 
what kind of sinners were out there and who he spoke and preached to, he believed that he was the chiefest of them all. And so he was and did understand what it means to be judgmental on one's self. James, pastor of the church in Jerusalem, says this, There is one lawgiver who is able to save and destroy. Why do you spend time judging one another? It is God who will be our ultimate judge. But until then, we are, we, in our lives, we try to make judgments for ourselves. But if we're going to be judgmental, it needs to begin with us, to ourselves. If it goes past that, I think I'd be surprised because once you start looking at yourself, you realize you don't have much room to be throwing stones at anyone else. So our text is, Jesus says, judge not that you be not judged for with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning that we can come to your house, we can think and ponder on your words. I pray today, Lord, that we would certainly aspire and try to follow the example of our Lord Jesus Christ, not only in his teachings, but Lord, even in how he dealt with people. He practiced what he taught. His words were equal to his actions, and so Lord, I pray that it would be the same for us. I'm thankful that the Lord has given us the example of how that we are to help people and, and not harm them. That we are to build them up and not destroy them, not cancel them, but Lord, welcome them into the fold of God's people. I pray today, Lord, that you would continue to guide us Thank you for the richness of the words of our Lord that you've preserved for our benefit. And I'll give you thanks in our Lord's name. Amen. Let's stand this morning as we come to a point. We come to a close. We can pray. You can pray where you are. You can come to an altar and pray. But the main thing is, is that if there's anything that we could pray about today is that, is, Lord, help us to follow you. Walk in your footsteps. Be like you learn from you. And I think, like I said, we're never wrong when we do the right thing. And that's the right thing is to follow the Lord. As we sing, Brother Ed. 505. 505. Bow the knee. Trust the heart of your Father when the answer goes beyond what you can.